again to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. Jasper, Indiana is down in the southwest portion of the state, sort of near Evansville and sort of near Louisville, Kentucky, um, sort of near uh, the Ohio River, but mostly near French Lick. So if you know where that is, then maybe you know where Jasper is. It's not nearly as obscure as it sounds. Anyway, welcome, and uh, we hope you're enjoying our visit to Mere Christianity, the classic work by C.S. Lewis. We are presently studying book three, and we are now going to look at chapter five. So this is chapter five of book three, and it is being recorded on July 16th, 2019. So Bethany is here with me, and I'm Pastor Dan, and here we go. C.S. Lewis, way ahead of his time, dealing with very interesting topic and spot on, even if he is a man of a different generation. Mm-hmm. The topic of sexual morality, Christian morality regarding sex, is called chastity. So, how does the rule of chastity differ from the rule of propriety or modesty, according to Jack? Well, he rightly defines them as two different things. And he says that propriety gets mixed up and gets called chastity all the time, but propriety is really about social norms. Yeah. Um, and he gives the example that, like, a girl in, you know, like a Polynesian island mm-hmm. with not very many clothes on might be on the same level of propriety as a Victorian woman dressed in the Victorian style right? based on their social norms. Right. So, she, you know, she, yeah. may, she may seem improper to us, but she's exactly in line with her cultural norms. Sure, sure. I mean, you know... Victorian lady shows up on a Polynesian island and they look at her like she's crazy. Why would anybody wear so many clothes? <laughs> yeah. So, so chastity is the most unpopular of all the Christian virtues and morals. Uh, consequently, it is often concluded that either something is wrong with Christianity or something is wrong with our sexual instinct. Lewis says that the problem is with our sexual instinct. Mm-hmm. So what are the three reasons he gives to balance, to balance that? Well, so he talks, he gives, he uses kind of the, the example of, um, like, digestion. Right. Um, so he talks about biological, the biological purpose of sex is to create children. Right. And if you think about, well, the biological purpose of eating food is for nourishment, but as we often do, we eat too much and don't have real great control over that, but we don't, like, go totally off the rails normally. Normally. Some people do. 
Normally. But, you know, we might eat two helpings, but we won't eat, like, 20 helpings. Whereas, if we go off the rails with sex, like, a healthy young man might go, you know, do his thing, sow his wild seed, as they like to say. And Lewis points out, one person could populate a village doing that. One guy could do that. Mm -hmm. So the like the, it's way more excessive related to function mm -hmm. than certain other things that we do related to function and that's so he's saying like that's one reason why there's something going on yeah so something he takes that wrong he takes that whole analogy and goes even further and i just think this is hilarious because i don't think he's trying to sound serious but he's he's cs lewis and he's an English scholar, and so even when he's joking, it sounds sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And he basically says you can get a large audience together to mm -hmm. watch a strip tease where a girl undresses, but where would you find people to gather in a crowd to watch someone slowly uncover a dish of food, you know? <laughs> I want to know if he knows about Instagram and if he's just, like, shaking his head because... Well, that's... Plenty That's of people true. stare at pictures of food on Instagram and Pinterest, and I am guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, there some people, uh, this, you know, the, I have friends, and I've joked with my friends about how there's food porn. Yeah, you yeah. Know, pictures now, of good food. He takes it a little further, though. <laughs> yes, he does. And he says... You know, basically, um, if you could get a crowd together to show interest in that, a rational person would say, that's, that's just weird. weird. There's something wrong there. And yet people don't feel that way when they talk about striptease. Mm -hmm. um, and so that leads to perversion and propaganda, which are his terms that I think are adequate mm -hmm. as far as uh, expressing this this cause and effect sort of thing um yeah and he talks he he says that like one person who was critical of this example says well you know if you if you had the food thing it'd probably be a country where people are starving yeah but lewis makes a really i think he validly points out that like if you actually took a look at it it might actually be the contrary that that the people in those countries supposed countries might actually have a dearth of food right um and because of ease of access it's that much more well and i'll say it outright he uses the word perversion and propaganda mm -hmm. and basically is saying that that an abnormal view of sex is perverted yeah <laughs> you know and that propaganda propagates that abnormal view and and if you look at our times you realize that there are so many abnormal expressions of sex and so many abnormal expressions of the natural relationship god has designed between a man and a woman mm -hmm. then look at how it's being normalized in our society through propaganda 
um, this is not a popular topic and it definitely would go over poorly with somebody who has a loved one or is one who thinks you know I was born this way I can't help it da 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 mm -hmm. and all I would say is is that you know we we got to accept the fact that God has a plan written into our DNA a design for creation and sin and this this you know, deterioration of, of God's law, so to speak, or God's rule, um, only makes those perversions worse. And to me, it isn't the people who are doing or believing in the thing that are the most guilty. It's the ones who propagate it, the ones who try to normalize it. Those are the ones that I particularly take issue with. Um, you know, and I'm talking about pornography I'm talking about child exploitation I'm talking about a lot of things not just homosexuality or something like that um, it's normalized to joke on a popular television show about looking at internet porn last night you know mm -hmm. and that becomes the basis of a joke on a sitcom or something and mm -hmm. that's that's what's troubling about this um, it isn't about trying to, you know, restore American morals. It's really just about saying, how can we really be instruments of God's grace if we subject ourselves to or submit to the power of propaganda and convince ourselves that what God says is up is really down and so forth. And so the resistance movement among Christians feels like for all intents and purposes like it's against people with whom they disagree but it's really against satan and the great lie that he propagates that what seems wrong in the eyes of god he can make seem right in the eyes of man through propaganda mm -hmm. you know and anyway so what three positive points does C.S. Lewis attribute to Christianity and sex? Well, he talks about, like, that modern people say sex is nothing to be ashamed of, and then he goes into, like, that would be a positive thing if it's going this direction, and I think if that's the where the question's going then he gives some really good reasons like that that if you mean nothing to be ashamed of when you're saying this is how the human race reproduces yep cool that's what christianity says too and that's nothing to be ashamed of and even that it's enjoyable is nothing to be ashamed of well um, he even goes so far as to say that the older christian teachers the church fathers so so-called uh felt that human if humanity had not fallen mm -hmm. that sex would be even better yeah <laughs> you know and people think it's the end-all be-all or at least you would think by way of the propaganda that it was the single most important thing anybody does but but uh, mm -hmm. you know what he says is, is we're seeing a tainted version of it you know we're not we're not even experiencing it the way that that God intended so who knows what that means yeah. exactly and he also points out that Christianity is like the only major religion in the world that completely approves of the body and its functions 
And that really is remarkable. Yeah. And if you do a little homework on Islam, for example, you'll find out that they are polar opposite of Christians when it comes to the body. And what's really what what's really amazing is is that the Jewish view of the body is pure is is the most uh, perfect in my opinion at, uh, among imperfect religion and people, because even among Christians we give in to the Greek values of youth and beauty and 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 but in Judaism it's celebrated to we honor our elders we admire those who have lived long lives and attained great wisdom and gray hair and and uh, and you know wrinkled features are an indication that someone's been around and might know a thing or two and so we celebrate those signs on the body that indicate the the maturity and wisdom within you know I really like that but boy you know it's it's really not one of the things but Christianity doesn't seem to have a problem with the body and that is a great thing yeah and he says Christianity also really glorifies marriage and if you look at like a lot of the world's great love poetry it's written mm-hmm. by Christian poets yeah which is probably true I, I did think of a couple off the top of my head that aren't Christian but I get what he's saying that most of them are hmm Here's a really potent question and definitely one that illustrates the times we're living in. So what uh, the warped organism we have inherited from our ancestors is a constant target of propaganda in favor of unchastity. Why? In other words, we give in to the temptation really easily. Why? money 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 is the reason why they're doing it yeah um which i just had to laugh because um i've been doing some i'm i'm reading a lot more nonfiction recently not i would say in the last couple of years right than i ever have and i have broad taste and i like to read a lot of different things and one book that i read recently talked a lot about propaganda directed toward women Mm -hmm. um and so this just got me because he's writing again way before his time yep most of the well ahead of his time yeah well yeah yeah (laughs) go on um most of the um products that we that women find to be perfectly normal and necessary for all things in our lives um, for example, razors and shaving, mm-hmm. um, all stem back to, and this is not a feminist argument, but they all stem back to men in ad industries yeah. using propaganda as a, as a sex tool, right? Um, to get what to achieve what they wanted, mm-hmm. and make money. Um, so I just was like, yep. Lewis nailed it again. Look at that. Yeah, I I really like this quote. You know, he says, because people can make money by inflaming our sex instinct, sex can sell anything. And a man with an obsession is a man with very little sales resistance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. I remember I did a, um, for one of my lit classes in college, 
we had to take an advertisement and assess what they were what they were selling and how they were actually trying to sell it and i remember that i found a really provocative ad in a magazine um for for a a certain vodka company mm-hmm. and it was a bottle of vodka wrapped with with women's legs wrapped around it mm. And and there you go. That's exactly what he's saying. Somebody who's already obsessed has very little resistance buying w- w- anything that remotely seems connected to their obsession. So, we, yeah, we have quite the... So three reasons are given why it's difficult to desire, much less achieve, complete chastity. What responses does Lewis give for each one? So, for example... The argument is made that it's natural. Sorry, I got distracted by the little story he tells right before that about <sighs> the priest that said that he, as a young man, or not a priest, but like a Christian, a famous Christian, he doesn't say who, but he prayed when he was a young man, oh Lord, make me chaste. But he realized when he got older that he was really saying, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. <laughs> and it just made me laugh again because it made me laugh when I read it the first time. So um, Lewis says yes. of the argument that it's just natural. Yeah. That that's a lie from the devil. Yeah. And that our warped natures are accepting that propaganda. And and it's hard for us to avoid it because we're inundated with propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Thus, yeah. Books, film adds everything yeah i i just finished a book i really liked a lot called um uh extreme ownership and it's written by navy seals and and it's about leadership and and uh jocko wellman one of the authors has another book that stemmed from one of his statements in this book which is basically discipline equals freedom and he argues in non-religious terms that discipline leads to freedom, that that person who disciplines themselves physically will find that they have the strength and endurance to do things that they want to do. And in the same way, you know, if they practice and train and prepare themselves for uh, all sorts of things, then they are always ready and, you know, so, I mean, it, it, bottom line is is that that lewis says the same thing he says look you know if, if you'll show a little restraint once in a while you'll actually have greater freedom in the end yeah because he says like that like all good lies there's an element of truth to the lie which is that sex is normal and healthy but when we're led to believe that we're led to believe that anytime we want to have sex in, in any moment in any situation it's fine and he says exactly kind of the opposite but same point that you just said that Jocko mm-hmm. makes because he says like surrender leads to disease and lies and concealment and all of this bad stuff that's the opposite of what you really want and the opposite of health which is where you started so yeah. it's healthy I mean I I think I might have said this in the last episode but you know there are times when people come and tell Pastor Dan about their problems and it's not that I think I'm smarter than they are or better than they are, but I do have a few years on some of these people at times, and I also have 
the benefit of a long relationship with God and the Bible. And there are so many times when people are telling me about what's wrong in their life. And then as I listen to them, I realize that they're perpetuating the troubles that they're having simply because they haven't made the connection between their lack of discipline and perhaps their ignorance. Maybe they just don't know that what they're doing is causing what they're getting. But I can only argue that with them so far because I have to say that any person, even even the squirrel in my backyard, eventually figures out that if he keeps doing certain things, he's going to get, keep getting the same result. And that means if he's getting a negative result, he's going to change the behavior. If he's getting a positive result, he's going to perfect the behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, even a squirrel can figure that out. So it's not that I think of people in a condescending way, but when some, sometimes people tell me about their problems and I realize it's because they're not able or willing to give up certain behaviors that always cause the same outcomes, you know, and... Uh, back to operant conditioning. Yeah, so, you know, which is discipline equals freedom. Which is my favorite psychologist since we talked about one of my least favorite yesterday. Go ahead and name him. I know B. who he Skinner, is. B.S. Skinner, the best psychologist ever. Which is a really broad statement and you can find me on it. That's well, fine. But she my calls favorite. him like the BFF Skinner. That's right. I played him in college. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much I like him. So the last argument that people give against the Christian moral standards of chastity is that that's repression. Well, you skipped one. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that, that it's, it's impossible. impossible. I'm sorry. And he gives a brilliant example. All he right. Says that well, give me the example and the, well, the, says, the argument that it's impossible. Yeah. People are deterred from doing it because they think it's impossible. And he says, hold on, if you're going to attempt something, you better not go into it questioning whether it's possible or not. And he gives a really great example that on a, like on an exam, like a blue book exam, say, in college, if you have an optional question and choose not to answer it, then you don't get any points for it. Mm. But if it's not optional, you're going to have to try to put something down and you're liable to get points for it. Right. Because you're putting something down because you're that. forced to do it. Um, yeah, and he, he gives did. other examples. That That's a really, great example. Yeah. I've forgotten that he said that, but I remember now reading that. So he basically says, like, it's not a question of whether it's possible or not. It's a question of doing it because you have to because yeah well we were watching that glass blowing competition show uh -huh. and the first guy to get uh booted out um you know because these shows all have the same premise you you get judged and systematically they eliminate everybody down to a winner and the first guy that got eliminated was one who broke his project about 15 minutes before time ran out mm -hmm. so he just put the broken pieces on display and gave up and I was upstairs making oatmeal. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and and they had to let him go because even if all he'd done is take up, you know, put an unfinished product yeah. there, that would have been better than just saying, yeah, no. I'm done. I, yeah. You know, I'm blown. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a good example. Mm -hmm. And he, he points at other things like when you're learning to ride a bike or swim you have to eventually knuckle down and do it or you're going to fall over or sink. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, the only impossible thing is that is the thing that no one has ever succeeded in competing, completing, and the only reason they don't succeed is because they either never tried mm -hmm. 
or they tried and they failed. Right. But if you've never tried at all, then you don't know that it's impossible. Right. Yeah. So then back to the repression. Christian mm -hmm. morality and chastity in particular is just repression. And that's uh, redefined by uh, Jack as not repression, but suppression. Yeah, he clarifies, and I think people still do this. Um, and it's really annoying because they'll, like, I remember girls in college that got told by guys that they were repressed. Mm. Um, and that's not, he points, he beautifully points out that that's really an incorrect um, description because repression is about, like, something that has been, that has gone wrong in someone's subconscious. And they might not even know that it happened because it happened when they were so young. Yeah. And so when it comes out, it surprises them too. Right. The, like, that's a totally different thing. Um, the very essence of virtue, the word, is if courage is doing the thing that you're afraid to do, then virtue is doing not doing the thing that you want to do, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and um, repression, like, you, it's subconscious, like, you don't know it's there, so yeah. you can't be consciously fighting it. So virtue, even attempted virtue, brings light, and indulgence brings fog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the final point that Lewis makes about sex and is that sins of the flesh and the center of Christian morality are bleh. what what is Lewis's final point about sex sins of the flesh and the center of Christian morality that that's what I was trying to ask um, he says very bluntly that if anybody's got it in their head that somehow like sexual immorality or being unchaste is the cardinal sin the supreme sin then they're wrong they've got it wrong christian or non-christian if you believe that then you're wrong um and he even i love it again because he says there are worse pleasures for you spiritually than sexual pleasure mm -hmm. that's unchaste and he gives examples like being patronizing being like just pleasuring and lording over other people and be you know just being a vicious person this is again the fabulous quote i i remember this quote well i love this quote he says judging is worse than falling in and giving in to physical desires he says a cold self-righteous prig who goes regularly regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. Yes. But then he says, but of course it's better to be neither. Yeah, he describes the animal self and the diabolical self, and and I think that's really great too. And I, I was talking with somebody about worse. that in the office today. I have seen some of the most diabolical behavior in church executed by Christian mm -hmm. so-called people. And it's chilling. It really is. I have had conversations with people in church office situations where they looked me in the eye and said things to me that chilled me. Mm -hmm. 
to the core because I realized how totally twisted their rationalization is, that they were diabolically motivated. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like I'm making a judgment about them, but I would argue that a person who becomes familiar with the voice of God will also recognize when they're not hearing the voice of God. And I would even go so far as to say that you can hear the twisted, diabolical voice of Satan when you begin to familiarize yourself with the language of Christianity, with the language of the Bible. Um, This is, I know, not going to set well with someone who's listening to this and doesn't share my fundamental belief that the Bible is an expression of God's heart and mind. But that's the very premise of the show. Sorry, that's what we call it. <laughs> if you're here, you should be prepared. No, Knowing God with heart and mind is about engaging our hearts and minds with the heart and mind of God. And I happen to believe that Mr. Lewis is one of the most profoundly gifted expositors of the heart and mind of God in the hearts and minds of humans. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I just love how every chapter, especially as we're getting deeper into book three, which is definitely targeted more at specific things Christians should or should not be doing. And, you know, um, but he does such a great job of explaining why the Christian stance is the way it is, but also not passing any judgment. No. And, and gently sharing, like helping people. Because if you were reading this as a non-Christian, I think it would be really shocking to some people who have been around Christians their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, they, they would find so out that, that they kind, were hearing about a Christianity that... That sounds almost unrecognizable. Right, you know, because Lewis is so much more uh, practical and gentle. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with him more. He's, I wish I could have known him. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Well, you know, we the last episode, we kind of went longer than we have usually because there was just some reason why it took us into, probably because psychology was in there. But <laughs> honestly, there's not a whole lot more I can think to say about this one. It's, it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it's not simple. I, I mean, well... <laughs> It's like most things to do with Christianity. It's not complicated, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So one thing that the study guide didn't address that I just loved when I was reading is that early in the chapter when he's explaining the difference between chastity and propriety, he talks about how he's, and this, what, he wrote this in 50... 51, I think. I mean, it originally was broadcast in a series of episodes in 46. Okay. And Which, then he revised it into a book that was published in 51. Well, so I, that's kind of funny that it's, I mean, it's early 50s, but like students of history know that the 50s were actually a time, at least in America, and a, quite a bit in the UK and um, Anglophile mm-hmm. countries, um, that the 50s was kind of a return to more oh there was a real high social values. standard you know of morality yeah and and modest values, led like to the 60s to propriety basically yeah. and so i was really delighted when he and i would like to know what he, whether he agree, would agree with it for 2019 because he says like um I'm, i should look up the exact wording but he says that he's really glad um he doesn't think that propriety should 
equal chastity. It shouldn't be any proof of chastity. Mm -hmm. And he says that he's really glad to see that there's a lot of relaxation in today's day and age, which would be, you know, the 40s, early 50s, of those kind of Victorian attitudes. Mm -hmm. Which, again, like, some people in the Victorian age do not fit into our idea of Victorian, and, (laughs) and that's fabulous, and I love that they were kind of pushing the bounds at their of their time but but in the 50s they had kind of moved back toward that a little because of world war ii right um but i think it's really great that he's like yeah i'm all for the relaxation of the propriety like that stuff's a little over the top and it doesn't equal chastity because like i think you know if somebody saw saw me in short shorts and a bikini top at Walmart and this has happened to girls like they go into Walmart after working out and they have a sports bra a jacket and leggings on and someone's like you're just asking to get yourself in trouble um and that like again there is no connection between the amount of clothing on someone's body and whether they're chased yeah so I like that he was saying that even in the 50s like this shouldn't be connected and I don't I'm I and I would just be curious if he would say that we've gone too far or mm-hmm. if he thinks that it's a normal progression and it's perfectly like if a girl goes to Walmart in her athletic well, wear. I think he spoke to it when he said that there's perversion and propaganda mm-hmm. and then there's the chastity of the Christian. And I think if you can read between the lines, what he's saying is, is that anything that encourages the perversions is going to be bad and honestly you know one of the most popular gimmicks on the internet is people of walmart right where yeah. you, you see all these and and what you see is 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 all sorts of deviant behavior which when i use that word it sounds judgmental but i don't know what else you call it it's if there's a wide road that we're all traveling down, deviance is going outside the lines. And I'm saying your road may be wider than mine, but deviance is when most of us agree that that person is operating outside the lines. So, and this may be taking too deep a dive, so if we need to cut it, that's cool. But going back to my example of the woman in her athletic clothes... If someone is observing her in a perverted way, it's not her problem, perversion, but it's she's definitely in, their well, problem. And is it a societal problem because we have created with propaganda and this, you know, this idea that it's okay to just check out any girl who's showing more skin than we consider appropriate because of society. So she's not perpetuating the perversion but society did yeah i mean you could argue it both ways in my opinion you could take it both ways you could say that our society has made impropriety acceptable and therefore a chaste person doesn't feel particularly obligated to dress in some modest way but if propriety is based on social norms right 
and our social norms say it's acceptable for me to go to the gym and work out and then run to Walmart and take care of stuff. Well, and then in, in that example, I guess it's probably, it's okay, you know. But somebody else is responding with perversion because of propaganda and... But if you compare it to the example of the Victorian and the jungle girl, mm -hmm. you know, well, if the jungle girl is just dressing the same way everybody else in her society dresses or not dresses, then, you know... It could be something completely outrageous that we can't even conceive of that would be considered improper because mm -hmm. it stimulates the interest of a person of the opposite sex in some way. You know, I'm mm -hmm. just I'm just saying it's it's like why why does a proper young lady cross her legs? You know, it's because it's suggestive otherwise, and I'm not saying that that is. Uh, the entire reason but that's and, and so well, I think the part that always gets me and again it, this may be just pushing it a little too much but the part that always gets me is that and not that guys don't have standards for propriety too it's just that there's tens if you well, die, uh, guy, I'm gonna go, I'm guys gonna go aren't here. held guys are not held to Look the at same any high school dress code in a, in a high school agenda and you will see that guys have like three or four things they have to abide by and yeah. have a laundry list. Sure. And no, I agree. Guys aren't held to so, anywhere close to the same standard as, as gals. So it always gets me with the propriety thing. And I guess even the chastity thing a little bit is this double standard and that there's like, there is kind of like a victim blaming is the wrong word, but like the girl in the, athletic outfit mm -hmm. is blamed for the guy who's creepy and staring at her and sexualizing her yeah um and that is fascinating to me and that's probably not quite on our topic but i just when i'm reading this that's what i'm thinking about and i would love to pick his brain about that is like where we are today as a society what well does he think? and and honestly as i think on this chapter i mean in, in his examples and throughout the reading of this chapter, I was probably thinking about a young woman more than I was thinking about a young man. Right. And it's not that I don't expect young men to be chased. It's just that somehow you say that to a young man and that's all there is to it. You just look. Keep it in your pants, pal. I mean, I can't believe but Pastor there's... Dan just said that in the virtual church classroom. <laughs> but if you want to know the truth, that's what I would say to my sons. Yeah. As they're going out with their girlfriends, I would say, you know, keep your clothes on. It's worth the wait. Be chaste. Treat her like a lady. These are the things I said to my sons. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and and honestly. It seems like there's so much more rigorous expectation, you know, and raising you, I don't really think I ever troubled myself over much of it because I had such tremendous confidence in you. And maybe that's part of it too, is that, is that when we're talking to our children, especially, or our spouses, you know, um, we can bring a lot of our own insecurities to the table. And if we could just see them for who they are, you know, um, but I, but again, it's so funny that there you is. You sort of ruin the fun when you take the the uh, trust. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. 
there there are a lot of kids out there that do things because they like getting away with something and and you know when mom or dad just says well i trust you have a great time kind of spoils the fun it's like well i wouldn't be getting away with anything because you know they trust me (laughs) that's funny i told i told a group of ladies from church the other night that that john and i my brother were kind of bummed as we got well not and not in a bad way or anything because again you trusted me for good reason i didn't i I was so a so-called boring child i didn't do a whole lot that could be considered rebellious but we were kind of disappointed as we got older because we realized that even stuff we kind of thought you didn't know about you guys knew about and we're like you guys are still being safe like we trust you and and so it was just yeah <laughs> well when i'm pastor dan sometimes i'm asked for advice about parenting and i don't feel qualified to give advice about parenting but i do have some great kids i can point to and i can say that you choose your battles yeah you know and if you're badgering them constantly that's going to get you into trouble with Mm -hmm. your kids and if you let them do anything and everything you're going to get yourself in trouble so balance is always the best answer to most every question so well anyway so that was an interesting sidelight send us your comments you may have your own points of view on that join us at facebook at the knowing god with heart and mind group if you're not a member just request to be a member and i will personally welcome you into the group and uh, if you want to join the discussion if you want to talk about it at church well you know where to find me if you're so inclined if you're not a jasper native then you probably want to send me an email you can reach out to me in the best way uh is through that facebook group or by just visiting shilohum.org that's s-h-i-l-o-h-u-m.org and you will find all the necessary contact information there and uh you know we'll be glad to keep the conversation going with you and uh just just as a, a side note, Bethany and I are trying to record several of these back-to-back and then schedule their delivery so that we're not as inclined to keep you waiting for weeks on end while we return from vacation or recover from a very hectic week or something. But, uh, you know, that's the ambition. We'll see how it works out. Can I also throw out something to the group? Well, you've already started, so you might as well finish. <laughs> Well, we were talking the other day, um, for those in the group that don't know, a lot of people I think that listen do know, but we're traveling to Israel at the end of October, Mm -hmm. and you and I were talking the other day about wanting to do something kind of special and different, Mm -hmm. and for that trip, and maybe even record an episode while we're there, live from Israel. So if you have any suggestions, group about what you would like to hear us talk about like if you want to recap of the trip or you want us to talk about some particular thing in israel yeah your ideas and suggestions would be great because then we could tailor an episode just for you in the holy land that sounds great i'm glad you brought that up begin thinking about it now Well, okay, friends, thank you again for listening. You honor us. We just don't really deserve to be taking this seriously, and so we hope you just take God's word seriously and listen carefully for God's voice in the midst of all of our chatter. Um, We consider ourselves humble instruments, and uh, we just give him all the glory if you've been blessed. So 
with that, I'm going to say for myself anyway, God bless you and goodbye. See you later.